right, welcome in on another episode of the Outside the Lines podcast. Today, we are going to give you guys a quick little episode and debrief the Cyhawk matchup from last week. Cyclones pulverized the Hawkeyes in Ames, Iowa, and we will be touching on the MVP discussion of Tyrese Halliburton as well as Brock Purdy. But of course, if you're listening to this and you know that we are brought to you by BNC Fieldhouse, head on over to BNC Fieldhouse for the best drink deals on Welch Avenue as well as the best place to watch the big game. Head on over there for Thursday night football, Raiders versus Chargers, where they'll have $2 liquor mugs from 9 to 10 p.m., then it turns to $4 from 10 to 11, and from 11 p.m. to close, it'll be $5 in case you guys want to stay for a little bit of a nightcap or anything like that. And head on over there for your birthday, where they have a liquor tower on the day of your birthday for only $7. Head on over to BNC, opens at 4 p.m., and without further ado, we will discuss a little bit of the Iowa State Cyclones beating some ass in Hilton Coliseum. Let's just get it right out of the way, man. We had a pretty good prediction on Trey King. I know you hit the nail on the head with Robert Jones. I, from start to finish, it's kind of felt like last year where, you know, we were down by 20 points within the first, like, five minutes and could never come back. But tables were turned this year, and we did it even better. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, this was a game that, if you were an Iowa State fan, you never really sweat the entire time during it it was pretty easy going straight out the gate i would say i had like a double digit lead throughout most of the first half and just slowly expanded it to 20 at times at half and ended up being 18 and then you know they kept kept the foot on the gas a little bit in the second half and never really let iowa get back i think they got back within 15 at one point and then Oz called a timeout and then the Cyclones immediately responded and got it back up to the 20 ish range. So it was, mm-hmm. it was a nice one. I mean, I am always a fan of games that don't give me anxiety. So, and especially in the Cyhawk rivalry, that's, that's great to me. You know, I, I couldn't ask for anything else. So I don't know. What, what do you think? It was just a beat down from start to finish. I mean, we're, we're big box score guys, right? Okay. I, I was I was comparing it a little bit to last year. I think Iowa was just red hot all of last year. Now we were pretty hot, fifty three percent from field goal, forty seven percent from three. I mean that's that's pretty decent, but it wasn't that wasn't where we won. I mean we beat them on total rebounds, um, defensive and offensive assists. We beat them on. We beat them on blocks, steals. We won the turnover battle. And we had less fouls in them. Like every single measurable statistic just proved we were the better team. I think home court advantage is pretty. I mean, we talked about it. It is very important in the Cyhawk matchup. But I think this is one of those games where I clearly was underestimating. I don't know if I want to say how good we are because I think I knew how good we were, but more so how bad Iowa is. Like they, they really just couldn't hang. At the end of the day, it kind of felt like watching. Um, just what well, a classic, they're going to hate me for saying this big brother, little brother matchup. Like at the end of the day, it just felt like their Iowa state was way more dominant on every aspect of the field. And of course uh, I said field, I meant court, but of course at the end of the day, we were making our shots. That's some dumb brain logic right there. Hey, if Iowa state makes their shots, they play good enough defense to the point where they're pretty damn hard to beat. So, um, I don't know. I, I just think I wildly missed 
how bad this Iowa team is and also how capable Iowa State is of, you know, a blowout like this. So I, I was way off and I'm very happy to be very happy to be a big dumb idiot about it. Yeah, I think the the biggest stat that you did not recognize was points in the paint. Iowa State won 46 yeah. to 18. I, I It feels like there were about five or six instances where Trey King got the ball on the lower right block and just kind of backed down a little bit and had a rather easy like layup over the yeah. Iowa defense. It, it seemed like, you know, the Iowa uh, front court was soft. <laughs> I, I don't think there's any other way to put it, but, you know, Trey King, Bob Jones, they all just kind of, you know, ate the Iowa front court's lunch the entire game, and they couldn't really stop them at all, you know. Uh, Trey King went eight from 11 from the field. Bob Jones was a perfect six from six for six from the field. Efficiency, uh, man. <laughs> yeah. So all of that kind of just led to um, this game that I would say it was just on cruise control. So I, man, I just like, I'm honestly a little speechless on how efficient Bobby Jones has been like our man, Bobby. I like, I remember watching him last year and maybe honestly, we probably weren't as outright about it, but more so behind, we were like, Hey, gosh, if this guy just figures out how to take care of the ball and improve his field goal percentage, he's going to be a force because he gets, he's a monster on rebounds. He's a great defender. And I think that was just kind of his, his game that everyone was so critical of, including myself and holy shit, he figured it out. I, and I mean, we haven't faced any Big 12 opponents yet. Am I getting ahead of things? Maybe I am, but he he's already shown drastic improvement from this time last year and the year before. He was never this efficient, and you can tell that he is focusing on shot selection in the paint. I, I don't know. I'm I'm thoroughly impressed by Bobby Jones. I just like uh yeah I, I the last thing I would have predicted this year is for him to be as efficient as he is, and just just thoroughly impressed. Um. Back on the Trey King side, you're spot on. It just felt like he was eating all day. Yeah, points in the paint. My goodness, they couldn't stack up with us at all. And that was, I think, one of the only things we were pretty spot on with. It just didn't really feel like they matched up very well against our big guys. But credit to our big guys because they were, yeah, yeah for lack of a better term, using the word again, efficient down low and figuring out ways to just Continue to find each other getting open. I mean, Bobby Jones and Trey King are playing off each other very well. I think they had like a few good assists to one another. It was just very fun to watch that down low play. Yeah. I mean, like we said, going into it, we thought these guys were kind of two of the big X factors and they ended up really controlling the game and made it, made it pretty easy. Iowa State just worked it from inside out. You know, we didn't have to shoot a ton of threes. We didn't have to, you know, really rely on, um, our outside shooting at all. And that's always a nice feeling when you can kind of just go get a bucket down low. Hey, Eshawn Gilbert, this is going to be a bold take here. A little bit of DeAndre Kane vibes, a little bit. That is a bold take. I don't know it's if anyone's, I don't know if anyone's comparable to DeAndre Kane. I, I, I genuinely don't know that, but I, Jared Holmes for sure. No, like DeAndre Kane is just a, a different animal. Like, I, I don't know how else to describe it, but he stepped on the court and he was like, I am the dog of this court. Like, this is my court. 
no one else like can can say that that like he was just the king of the court and he he gave off that vibe constantly like mm-hmm. no matter what every game deandre kane is like nope this is my court I, and I, I just i genuinely don't know if <laughs> there will there will be another player like that and i think that's also because deandre kane was like 25 at the time too so. yeah, like he was quite literally a man, a man of, yeah. amongst boys yes I but, think uh, I, I had a little bit of a buzz on toward the end of the game, and I, I just saw him kind of manhandling people down low, like he was getting down low and he was making his shots. I was like, damn, he was insane. He scored a, a total of five points in about five seconds, and right as Fran McCaffrey called a timeout, he was basically yeah. giving off the signal to the ref, like, hey, they're going to call a timeout here. It, that was I don't know. There, there are multiple Cyhawk disrespect moments. George Niang blown kiss, obviously. Um, when Isaiah Brockington put the guy in a spin cycle and had a Jordan moment, and then this one, calling the timeout after scoring five points in five seconds. That was, that was just insanely disrespectful. Yeah, that was off that Lipsy uh, steal, and he he made the pass too, like in the the same ste- catch yeah. pass. And then he fell on the ground, like did it all in midair, which was very impressive. Um, but yeah, I mean, we definitely have to shout out uh, Keyshawn Gilbert. He same thing, you know. He kind of this this Iowa team was incredibly soft, and the Iowa State guys were just able to sniff it out and really take advantage of it. You know, like front mm-hmm. court, back court. It seemed like Iowa State was there. They were like, we're ready to kick some ass, and I was like, okay, here's our butt, kick it, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and Keyshawn Gilbert's like, oh, I'll definitely kick this butt, you know. He's like, I'm going for 25, and um, perfect from downtown. So, yeah, I mean, all in all, it was you know a pretty fantastic game. So the only person you could say that like wasn't, you know, Milan was a little quiet. That was about it. Uh, other than that. You know, I don't think you could nitpick anything here. Mm-hmm. I mean, Milan is as a shooter, you're going to have some up and down games. Um, I, I think people are, are still kind of losing their shit about Omaha. Did not record a single minute here. Um, guess what, guys? It maybe just is going to take a little bit of time. That's OK. All right. Let, let's wait until let, let's put a time stamp on it. Give them an ultimatum. How about. February 1st. If we don't see a little bit of progress, then maybe we can hit that panic button. Is that an okay timeline? Or is this entire first year just like Nolan Void? Just say, hey, who cares? He's going to take, you know, maybe a couple years. You know, like we kind of said with when Craig was on, it was, it's one of those things that we would, we would like to see him get integrated a little bit more. Um, and it's just, it's a little bit of a minutes issue right now, I think. And that's, yeah. that's hard. Um, he did get some more time in the, the Prairie View A&M game. Um, and I mean, that game was absolutely just ridiculous. Um, don't I really didn't, know. I, I didn't even check the box score. I know we were just kicking ass the entire time. I mean, how, yeah. what did, what does box score look like? I... 107 to 56, um, was the final and it was, yeah, I mean, but Omaha got some time at least. And yeah, That's like good. you said, it's not like a power five opponent. We have, you know, two more ramp up games before Big 12 play starts, which we start with Oklahoma, but then we play Houston. We were wrong on the last podcast about that. Apologies. But 
Oklahoma's ranked and, and doing well too. So we do get thrown into the fire right away. Um, I think our first three of our first four games are against ranked teams. We play, I believe BYU is ranked now too in their, their Ken Palm, uh, like top, there are eight right now in Ken Palm. So we play BYU. Them. Shut the heck yeah. up. Yeah, we, uh, but the bit we knew Big 12 was going to be a grind. Like, it's like, you're not going to get an off week in the Big 12, you know? So, no. um, but with that, yeah, I mean, Omaha would love to see him maybe get some more minutes, make something of those minutes. But, you know, if he's not getting the time to prove it on the court, then you can't really say much. It's like, yeah, it's, it might be a wash, but, um, you know, he has to carve out playing time before we can like truly evaluate what he is. And yeah, it might be a, he needs a full year to get acclimated to the college game and, and be at the level that Ots wants him at. And, and that's just what it is. So. Yeah, I, I agree. And I respect a good coach who's willing to be patient with that. Um, last thing I have on Cyhawk is Bobby Jones did the classic. Oh yeah, no, you should have been there when it was way better type thing to uh, Keyshawn Gilbert at, at the podium at the end of the game. Keyshawn's like, this environment is so loud. And Robert Jones like, yeah, this was a really lively environment. It was a little louder last year. And Keyshawn was just like, wait, what? And he's like, oh, yeah, no, no. It, it gets way louder than this. <laughs> um, to which Trey King started to say, you know, I, they really just treat you like something else here. Um, very similar to like what Craig compared Iowa State to, you know, we kind of treat our athletes, you know, Hakeem Butler, Craig Brackens, all of these guys have told us this, like a sense of royalty. <laughs> like, you don't always get that in, you know, college athletics wherever you go. Maybe part of it is because Iowa in general doesn't have a professional football or basketball team. So, you know, our, our pros are, you know, Hawkeye football, Iowa State basketball, you and I, whatever it is. And so I, I think that's really appealing to athletes. I just want to give that tidbit. Cyclone Nation is obviously the best. We already know this. Any more thoughts on Cyhawk before we uh, look to some MVP discussion? Um, yeah, I mean, Hilton Magic is is crazy. And it, they showed up for both games, too. Women Cyhawk got to watch that. And, mm. you know, that game that game was incredibly impressive from the 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 Lady Cyclones, you know. It was number four, number four, Iowa, and they were within six almost the entire game. It, it ended up being nine while, with some fouling at the end, but was very impressed with uh, how young that team is and how they were able to, you know, go, uh, you know, toe to toe with the 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 Lady Hawks. You know, obviously it's an unfortunate result that they weren't able to to pull out the dub, but. They were they were in it the entire time, and that's that's awesome to see from a young team going against a team that was in the national championship last year. Has yeah. you know probably the best player in women's basketball. Yeah, who's she was a little bit of a whiner. Um, yeah, she she really likes to complain to the refs. She's very she's starting good. to get some Doncic vibes. But, but she was she was uh, it seemed like almost on every possession there was uh, her kind of like yelling uh, at them. So. Not trying to take anything away from her, but I, that was one thing I was a little, um, I think it got a little like, and that's probably the Iowa State in me too, being like, hey, like, what are you complaining about? But uh, 
Yeah, but the crowd crowd was great for both games, you know, and and that's gonna be expected when we play Iowa. So, but it's also mm-hmm. gonna be expected when we open up Big Twelve play too. So, yeah, Audi Crooks is awesome. Shout out Audi Crooks. Um, yeah, it was it was a good Cyhawk match. Wish we would have gotten that for the women's basketball team, but hey, it was a great great game. Like you said, nothing to hang your head on. Um, moving forward to some MVP buzz. Tyrese Halliburton making NBA history again, Um, you know, going into the in-season championship. He posted his third game with, excuse me, third game this season with 25 plus points, 25 plus assists and zero turnovers to which no other player had more than a one game in their entire career since turnovers were first tracked in 1977 to 1978. Sorry for kind of butchering that stat, but no other player and the history of the NBA since 1977-78, since the turnover stat was recorded, has done that more than once in their entire career. Tyrese Halliburton has already done it three times. That's just insane. He's insane. Um, couldn't pull it off in the championship, but I think that was just a little bit of LeBron James, you know, having this Thanos-like destiny where it, it just wasn't going to happen. You know, it was, it was LeBron James being like, this is my first and maybe only in-season tournament. I, I'm going to win this, and I'm going to win MVP. But other than that, Tyrese was just a showstopper. I mean, he's got to be the MVP front runner, right? I, I haven't checked the odds. I'm, I'm, I think he might be. He actually is not. Um, That's a bummer. Is it Jokic? It's wild. It is Jokic. Um, okay. Halliburton, at least what I'm seeing right now, is one, two, three, four, five, sixth uh, best odds. But... Um, He's getting a lot of buzz, and I don't expect that. Like, a lot of the people who are ahead of him right now, I think are ahead by name um, and not yeah. exactly by performance this year because I don't think you could argue that anyone's having a better start to the year than Halliburton is right now. Um, and he's kind of in that, you know, rising stardom where people are like, this guy is a top 10 player. Oh, wait, this guy might be playing at, like, a top five level, you know, like things like that that – that narrative takes a while um, to shift because it's like, well, this person's been here for a while, you know, like Giannis is in the MVP con- conversation every year, you know, like Luca, Jokic, like all these guys who have been very much established for multiple years have led their teams to, you know, deep playoff runs besides Luca. Um, and I think Halberton will just need, you know, to continue his current performance and he'll be, you know, I think he could be the favorite at the end of the year if if that is the case. You know, it's also crazy. The zero turnovers element is just baffling. Like I think we at Iowa State really respect people who don't turn the ball over. <laughs> um it's probably one of our favorite stats to tout. Uh, but the fact that he's doing that at the NBA level for like how fast the pace is and, and how many possessions you have, how much he's like constantly touching the ball and involved in the offense and to have zero turnovers is, is actually just like baffling to, to me. So against I mean, NBA caliber defense too. Yeah. So yeah. And this is also the in season tournament. They're talking all week about how there is so much effort and energy on full display in this in-season tournament. So it's not one of those regular season games where you're playing up, you know, against a lot of people that are just, you know, sitting on the bench, all the all-stars taking a breather, and maybe you're able to beat up on some bench players. No, these were starters, like, against Dame Lillard. I mean, 
he, he's doing it against the cream of the crop talent in the world. And you're right. Zero turnovers is insane. I also liked how he hit the Dame time celebration um, right when he sent the Milwaukee Bucks home after nailing that three. Dame Lillard kind of gave him some credit. He's like, you know what? I, in a way, I, I take it as respect that he's you know, doing my celebration. That means he appreciates history. But just, hey, it's your time now. But be humble for when it isn't. And I'm like, dude, it's you got to flaunt it when it is your time. Because that is Dame's right. You don't know how long that is, it's going to last until that fire goes out. So, yeah, hit the Dame time celebration right in front of him. I thought it was sick. Yeah, yeah. I think I think across the league, a lot of players also have respect for, for Halliburton, too, and, and that kind of, mm. you know, gesture or, you know, whatever. You, a little bit of trash talk is it's cool to see Dame at least, like, not have a dump in his pants about it and be like, hey, you know, he, he has every right to do that. So, you know, it's it's – Halliburton is good enough to kind of do that. You know, it's like, it's not like Dylan Brooks pulling some bullshit (laughs) or like some scrubby bench player who like has just gone off one time in his life doing that shit. Like Halliburton's basically been like this in season tournament has been mine. So he's got some street uh, cred. Yeah. So Um, speaking of other cyclones in the professional level, making history, um, most plus games with 140 plus passer rating Single season since 1950, Brock Purdy tying Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Tom Brady again, and Roger Staubach for four. And this guy is only in his, what, second season? He's had 17 starts, I believe. That's just insane. Which is technically one full season. (laughs) Like, Tom Brady took, I don't know, six years to get his stuff, like, figured out where he was, like, Kind of just that genius of, you know, pre-snap. Aaron Rodgers, I think, took a little bit faster than, you know, Brady. But Purdy's literally doing it within his first full year of regular season starts. Is that math correct? It's close to it. That's insane. And what's worse about it, Newt, people are still, like, doubting his deep ball. They're finding everything to nitpick. And he's literally proving them wrong in front of their face. Like, in front of their face, he threw... The most perfect pass to Debo Samuel on a, um, I think it was kind of like a, a corner route against the Seahawks. Could not have been a more perfectly thrown ball. Huh. At some point, but you just, what? We said, we're just going to be battling this. And Brock yeah. is going to get it until, it, it will take multiple years, honestly, at this point. Because everyone's just going to. It's one of those things that, and I've been seeing this take a lot, is people are saying, it's because he's the last pick in the draft. It's because they're like, and I thought this is the the best example I heard. And someone was saying the 49ers drafted Trey Lance with the third overall pick. And if Trey mm-hmm. Lance was doing this in Kyle Shanahan's system, he would be the runaway MVP right now because I would be like, oh, he's grasped the system. He's maybe one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But for some odd reason, because Brock Purdy is this like small, like, kind of scrappy, like, you know, underappreciated player. Everyone's kind of like, oh, it's everyone else. And it's funny because everyone in that locker room, like my favorite thing is to just watch post-game interviews. And everyone in that locker room is like Brock is a dog. Brock is the reason why we're here. Brock is so prepared. He's like mentally like so like advanced and making the the right reads, all this kind of stuff. 
And it's just funny because there's such a disconnect between what some of the national narrative is and then people who know ball and are playing ball are like, yeah, this guy's really fucking good quarterback. Like Kurt Warner, like does a lot of quarterback evaluation and he's like, Brock Purdy is really good guys. Like, please like stop saying he's not. And it's like a lot of these people who they don't watch ball, you know, I'm sorry, but there are a lot of ball non ball watchers that get to have loud opinions and it's unfortunate and there's not much that Brock can do, but you know, if his if he, someone was doing what Brock was doing and they had the name, like if it was like, you know, I don't know, you could say if Patrick Mahomes is doing what Brock was doing right now, everyone would be like, wow, Patrick is so efficient and like just playing so well and at a high level and stuff. But because his name is Brock Purdy, he's continues to keep getting discounted. So I don't think people are realizing how athletic he is too. I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't think his athleticism was going to translate this well i thought it was more so going to translate as far as like kind of like a drew breeze aspect of things where he just knew how to kind of manipulate his pocket presence and kind of again manipulate more so throwing angles it's not even that dude like he he is making people miss and he's running for first downs like he he's showing way more athleticism than anyone would have predicted he has early uh big ben vibes which i big ben whatever don't he'll, like he'll last that. longer than Big Ben. Well, 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 no. So the thing is, is that like Big Ben was always really good at extending plays. And I yeah. think that's what Brock is great about. Like Brock's able to step up in the pocket, scramble right, scramble left, you know, do, do a little bit more to like kind of keep the defense on his toes. And I think that was something that Big Ben had a little bit because it's like Brock isn't going to like he might sprint by and get, you know, whatever, 10, 15 yards if it's like really open. But yeah, he's not like this beacon of athleticism but he is i think the way he's able to like read and move around the pocket and maneuver is you know top tier so i i think they both extend plays in completely different ways like ben roethlisberger he didn't really anticipate the rush he would just feel the rush quite literally when he'd have three guys on him and he would still somehow stay up brock purdy's more so like I sense these guys are about to touch me and I'm going to move away from them before they can. But you're exactly right. They both extend plays and yeah. Yeah, people forget how damn good Ben was for like six for, years for, stretch. Yeah. Holy shit, yeah. Man. Like peak prime Ben was, he was an issue. You know, I, I think those Steelers yeah. were just rough that they ran into the Patriots dynasty when they did. But um, yeah, similar things of like big extending play guys. Um, so, you know, pivoting to the MVP race because of everyone's like sucking off the Cowboys now, um, Dak Prescott has technically moved as the front runner of the MVP. So that's a little unfortunate because everyone like the national media loves nothing more than to promote the Cowboys. And so, um, you know, hopefully the Cowboys can have a bad loss or two here and it can kind of clearly be Brock's award. Um, the other person that I'm probably the most worried about would be Lamar uh, just because this award seems to be the quarterback on the team who locks down the one seed. And it appears that the Ravens will do that in the AFC because the AFC is just a cluster of teams right now. So the Niners are the first team to lock up um, a playoff spot in the NFC. Um, 
crazy stat. And then I'll move on from Brock Purdy. Purdy has... 3,553 passing yards on just 359 passes this year. He's averaging 9.9 yards per attempt, nearly 10 yards per throw, not even per completion, per throw, which is the highest average by any passer in over 65 years. So, yeah, I know that Debo and Christian McCaffrey get some yak, but at the end of the day, you're not going to have the highest yards per attempt in over 65 years if you're only dinking and dunking. So can we please stop that narrative? It is clearly not true if you're watching these games. Like, uh, hell, I'll post a highlight montage later this week of him just throwing the ball like 20-plus yard fields or downfield on the money every single time. I'll post that later this week so people can see. But it's two things can be true at once. Yes, he benefits from the talent around him. And guess what? He also throws the ball down like he throws the hell out of the ball man he's accurate oh it's just it's frustrating but i'm not gonna let it get to me new i'm not gonna let it get to me anymore well speaking of the the deep ball thing there was actually a uh i was a local um what is it 49ers giants station in san fran uh at knbr that made a uh about a two minute montage and it said compilation of Brock Purdy having no arm strength and it's him just like whipping the ball across the field like 30 40 yards just on the money um and it's it's so funny that that's still the narrative around him because he's clearly like it's like yeah it's great that he has some weapons but at the same time he's shown that when he needs to make the throws he can make the throws too yeah which is just like what's baffling about it is people are like it's just all Debo. It's all Ayuk. It's all Christian McCaffrey. It's all George Kittle. It's like one, I'm going to be very uh, forward here, but George Kittle was pretty quiet before Brock got there. Like, yeah, he was, <laughs> he was the, like Brock being there has kind of been a resurgence for Kittle. Kittle was elite at one point, but then he, he honestly like a little quiet and stuff like that. Not trying to take away from George Kittle at all because he's a fantastic tight end, probably the best blocking tight end in the NFL. It's but, kind of like Kirk Ferris. He just wasn't getting utilized like he probably could have if he had the other person <laughs> around him to deliver the ball. Oh, yeah. Just throwing that yeah. out there. So, but yeah. And, and so, I don't know. Seeing this kind of stuff is just, it's ridiculous. And like we said, 49ers players, no ball. Other players who have watched, no ball. Anyone who probably has NFL experience is like, yeah, Brock Pur- Purdy is good. Uh, it's people who are box score watchers or see one highlight where Devo takes it long and they're like, oh yeah, Brock Purdy doesn't know how to throw the ball. And it's just like, it's so annoying. You're actually just wrong. So, um, I don't want to end this podcast on a down note, but this was just insane. Um, Brees Hall was fined 43,000, nearly $44,000, um, on a play where he lowered his head and unfortunately the DB he hit AJ Terrell suffered a concussion. So I think that's why they took action on it. I think the dude makes like $62,000 per game though. I, I don't know if that's, if that number is actually correct, but the running back position is the most heavily fined position on the offensive side of the ball when it comes to this stuff. And since running backs are the ones that are getting more so the worst end of the stick when it comes to contract extensions, but they're the ones basically having over half of their weekly salary taken away just for protecting themselves. 
I mean, it's it's been an issue all year, but now it's happening to our boy Brees, and I, I'm I'm standing up against it. It's bullshit. Yeah, it happened to Jalen Warren in back-to-back weeks here oh, uh, yeah. in Pittsburgh, and I think he was a fifth fifth-round pick, um, I believe. So his contract's even smaller than Brees's, and I believe people, some people on Steelers Twitter, were like, "This is almost his. This is basically his entire game check that they've taken for two straight weeks." Um, and but like we mm-hmm. said, both of them have been bullshit. The Warren one, one time was he was picking up a rusher, and they somehow said that yeah. like he he crowned or whatever. It's like, what the fuck is the NFL doing here? It's I don't know. The NFL's all over the place. They're officiating his ass. It's that that side of the product is it, it's it's the one. I mean, there's multiple bad things, but it's the one really bad thing about the NFL kind of being this. We have all the power, we have all the say, and we're not going to change anything because our product is so popular that it doesn't matter. Um, you know, like football is above and beyond, like by far, it's not even close to how much it is the popular, most popular sport in America, how much it drives ratings, viewerships, all this kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And so the NFL knows that and they can kind of be this one man jury judge and, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff that it's unfortunate when they're. I don't know, on this power kick, I guess, of, of you know, I don't know. They deem player safety, and then there's so many other elements of it that are unsafe, like the MetLife turf or, um, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. things like that. So Aaron Rodgers yeah. would have something to say. And, and, and I get it. You want to make the game more safe. I think all of us are, you know, for that. But at, this is just a total spin zone here. If players are lowering their head um, – I'm not going to say the take I had. I'm not going to say it because I don't think it's a good take. So never mind. But nonetheless, don't take away over half their weekly pay. That is absolutely horseshit, especially because things happen so damn fast. They're protecting themselves when they're going at full speed. Sometimes shit happens. So I get it. Just just lay off. Make make it like a percentage of the. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? That makes more sense. Something like that. You know? Yeah. And it's. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not like these guys are like head hunting or I, I don't know. Like I've seen some stuff where it's yeah. like I think it was Kareem Jackson on the Broncos. He's gotten suspended multiple times this year, but his hits have been just like these head hunting things where he, you, you know, he's trying to like hurt people. Yeah, um, it, that's if it's fine. that, then yeah, give, yeah. give him the axe. Sure. But like a running back, Miles just, Garrett throws another helmet at someone. Okay, sure. Yeah, give him the axe. That's fine. Yeah, but um, okay. Yeah. Well, that was fun. Um, Huck the Fox. Um, no, just say it. Fuck the Hawks. And Brock Purdy for MVP. Tyrese Halliburton for MVP. Um, and I don't know who do we have next for basketball. We got Liberty uh, Bowl coming up. We'll do a preview for that later on. We got a couple scrubby teams. We're playing uh, Eastern Illinois. Ooh. Or sorry, yeah, Florida A and M first. Then Eastern Illinois, which I will be at that game. Crazy. Mm. Um, wow. Coming back to Iowa for the Crazy. first time here, and then we played New Hampshire Crazy. on New Year's Eve, and then our first Big 12 matchup is Oklahoma January 6th. So let's go. All right. Well, if you're going to any of those games, cheer very loud for us, please. And of course, if you made it this far, then reward yourself. Have a beer at BNC Fieldhouse. Say hi to Ben. We miss Ben. And without further ado, I think that's all I got for today. Uh, Newt, I'm gonna roll clones it out. Roll clones. Roll clones, baby.